You're listening to the best barbecue show, the show where we talk, taste, and even try to cook the best barbecue in Texas, which yeah. is the best barbecue in the world. Not only is Stover in the studio, but we got Jess Pryles here. How's it going, Jess Pryles? Hi, it's going good. How are you? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling less allergy ridden than I was last week, and it's really nice to be here. Yoni turned down my cans because I was screaming during that song. (laughs) I don't even hear myself. Where am I? (laughs) Well, you know, we try to do sound levels before and... There's just we always get way more excited as soon as like the song comes on. I can't help but sing when that song comes on. Am I registered now, Yoni? Oh yeah, you're good. All right. So, uh, what's new, Jess? How are I, you? I'm I'm great. I am about to enter the most busy time of my professional career ever, which is so exciting because it's kind of self-created, which is neat. But also for someone who's kind of OCD and anxiety riddled like me, <laughs> a little bit intimidating. So like next week, you know, coming into next week, we got um, filming for Texas Beef Council on Friday, um, South by stuff for the Australian consulate on the weekend, South by stuff with Texas A&M on Monday, Tuesday, a photo shoot with Gerber all day, Wednesday, NBBQA Thursday through Saturday. And then New Orleans the next week for Hogs for the Cause. And it like goes, 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 goes. And I'm like, oh, I'm also supposed to be like creating recipes for the website and running a business. And I should probably work on that. And it's it's crazy to me because it's so exciting. It is exciting, but it's also, you know, intimidating. You need a dozen interns, sounds like. That's what I need. Taking, Do you have... <laughs> just send your email to these guys. Oh, yeah. Will you guys resume filter for me? We have yeah. like six interns right now. <laughs> yeah, we're working on a we're working on a crack team. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to work at all. <laughs> I just want to delegate everything. Yeah, that's, that's what I need to do, but I'm not good at that at all. So all you meat men are confused right now because you would have assumed Jess was already in her busy season if you've been following her for the last couple of years. <laughs> and now we see that she's going to get even busier, which is nuts. It's nuts. Why are you piling so much on yourself? Uh, I think the hard work just continues to pay off. And, you know, I thought I was busy. Last year when I was like, oh, I'm actually busy. It was when I went from Brazil and then was here for four days. Then I went to Sweden then was back for a week and then went to Australia. I was like, that's a lot. Um, And then I sit here in, you know, now we're in March, but it was February booking my calendar into September and October already running out of Saturdays to do classes all over the country, which is don't get, it's awesome, but it's also new to me to be that busy. So I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to run out of year. This is a lot. If someone wants to hang out, they can hang out with you in what, like December 12th. Someone got upset at me because they wanted to like jump on a call, like a casual business call. And I'm like, cool. Um, how does this week sound it was in three weeks time. And they were like, if you don't have time to get on the phone real quick now, and I'm like, I, no, I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. So You're but, being pulled in a lot of directions. You have a smoker, a book. 
rubs, merchandise. You're yeah. wearing your hat right now, Hardcore Carnivore. Yes, yeah, so it's shameless self-promotion. We, we've been talking about yeah. Hardcore Carnivore before we knew your name. We heard about it. You're, we talk about you on our first episode with Brendan Lamb. Oh, yeah? He's wearing your hat. He's he's He is a great... I mean, he's a good-looking boy, so it's always good when someone like that wears your merchandise. We have him model our merchandise, too. Yeah. You do? He yeah. sells our Meat Man shirt because he's the barbecue hunk. Well, speaking of, we actually have a shirt for you. Do you? Yeah. It's over. You want to grab yeah, it? Yeah, go grab it. I'm excited. It's on our new best barbecue uh, prize wall. Yoni, I organized all our prizes. It looks pretty organized. But uh, we're starting to send them out, so we need more. This shirt is for you. Oh, did you it's, do that? It's a hashtag me? Meat Woman shirt. <laughs> this is limited edition. This is yeah. like Kanye Yeast. There's only style. like a dozen of those none of that exist. The Meat Men are wearing have this on the back. Yeah, and it says Best Barbecue Podcast this on the is back. Awesome. So there's only a few of those. Meat Woman. Now, you can have a Meat Thank Man shirt you guys. too because the theory I have about Meat Man is I don't want to be gendered about it. It's based on the song Meat Man by Jerry Lee Lewis. Mm -hmm. Anybody can be a Meat Man because it's a word, someone yeah. who delivers meat. You just got to eat the fuzz off of Georgia Peach. Yeah, that's right. That's in that song. That's a nasty song. <laughs> but, but, but we don't want to like, you know, make it a joke, give someone a Meat Man shirt. So we wanted to make sure you have well, that's very. It's yeah. very thoughtful of you. I appreciate that. Well, it, it sounds like you're thoughtful in a lot of things. I mean, I've been digging into your book and you start out right the gate with dry aging and why salts uh, aren't the same. So how'd you get into dry aging to begin with? So the, uh, for context, I guess the book has information in it that helps you then cook the recipes. But they're also, it's also short and concise because my thing is like, I would never, I'd pick up a book like The Food Lab and I'd be like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's everything that I ever need to know. And that'd be like three pages. Okay, I can't. Yeah. I'll get through it, but not right now. And then I don't read it. So I got into dry aging because it was much more prevalent in Australia than it was here. And as was Wagyu way back when. But I'd been aware of it and been familiar with it. And uh, there were only a few places that were offering it, serving it, and doing it at the time. And then I know that I like the taste of dry aged beef. So wanted to understand more about that. And then it started becoming so popular, the concept of dry aging that especially towards last end of last year, I was getting messages from people coming up to Christmas that were like, Oh, I'm picking up my prime rib from my butcher next week. Should I dry age it like two weeks out? And I'm like, oh, well, do you know what dry aging is? Or are you just going to like throw it into your refrigerator unwrapped? Because if you're going to do that, don't. Yeah, it's going to taste like the old food in the back of your fridge. Yeah. I'm scared of dry aging because I've heard horror stories of people doing it wrong. It's There's actually not... So I wrote it like a 3,000-word article for my website for that reason. Uh -huh. um, for a couple of things. One, like I don't profess to know everything, but if I'm putting something on my website, I've done my due diligence and I'm pretty confident that I'm speaking with fair authority on the topic. And I reference people who know more than I do <laughs> to make sure that... Um, I know what I'm doing. Um, there's two elements to doing it wrong. One is people who aren't actually aging it, that it's safe, but like, like those dry bags aren't actually dry aging. Um, and then the other part of it is if you cook your meat, as long as it doesn't have black mold on it, because black mold is bad, just like <laughs> in houses, as long as you don't have black mold on it and as long as you cook it, including the bone, to a safe temperature on any part of the exposed outside it'll be safe 
the Ryan thing is just about palatability. So like not trimming it away enough is more just going to be unpleasant to eat because it's hard. Um, but then there's also degrees. Like you're talking something that's effectively like, like a, a truffle or a, a it, it's a delicacy if it gets down to the full blue cheesy nutty kind of uh, area, which if you're taking it over 60 days plus, even up to 200 plus days, it usually does. So you, it, it depends on mold strains. It's more just like, okay, here's what you know not to, need to know not to kill yourself, which is pretty simple. And then if you want to do this right, probably just like brewing, now you're going to get into serious complexities. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and do you feel like this matches your style, which is to just go in and figure it out for yourself, figure out the way you like, the way it tastes. I mean, it sounds like you have just been getting into beef the way you wanted to and then you share it. Yeah, I mean, the obviously there was an element there where I made sure to uh, reference meat scientists and to speak to people to make sure that I wasn't, as a, as a lay person, giving incorrect information about the safety of it. But then beyond that, it is just personal taste. Um, it's personal taste, but it's also like different aging rooms depending on the strain of mold that's in there how much product is in there, et cetera, et cetera. Like 30 days in one is not 30 days in another. So that whole kind of misnomer, I'm also like really into what I got really into in the beginning was shattering myths that I as a consumer was under the impression of like that just because it says aged beef on a menu, that doesn't mean anything until you know whether it was wet or dry aged. And even to that extent, even if it says now 30 days, now we know that that's also nebulous because it depends where, how? Why? Yeah, if someone was paying attention, or they just threw it in the back of a fridge for 30 days. Yeah. In our best of episodes, I tried to give Yoni some aged beef and he wouldn't eat it. It was aged in the back of my car for a week. <laughs> style, old style yeah. switch. And that was after it was cooked. <laughs> mm. Well, we had, a, we had something that came up where I left food in the back of his car and I told him to bring it to me the next day. And he's like, no, I threw that out. And I was like, it's barbecue. It can last one day in the back seat. I don't know about that. <laughs> and all the pitmasters we were with one day when I brought that up were like, yeah, it's fine. No, seriously. It's like the most forgiving food. Y'all would know this, but like she I've seen. agrees with me. It's true. Well, as the realist in me agrees with you, the scientist in me, but the fear driven, anxiety ridden person, and you know about this. Mm. That says, don't eat that. Throw that oh, yeah. away. Because again, I'm, I, I trained myself in the kitchen and, and I, I had to like follow those rules because I think when I first started cooking, I was getting sick. My yeah. fingers were going everywhere and all yeah. the chicken and all this stuff. Ooh. I just didn't know. Well, back in the day, it was a form of preservation. <clears throat> yeah. Back when I was a kid, you had to yeah cook to survive because I'm that old. <laughs> oh, you mean smoking? <laughs> I mean smoking. Oh, smoking. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I mean, you still need to reheat it to a safe temperature, but like I, I have no doubt Barbecue, there are so many people who should be dead from eating barbecue <laughs> and just based on like some of those old, you know, little town places where you're just, this is questionable, but it's cooked so far beyond the safe level, like the whole way through that it's so forgiving. It's crazy. Well, speaking of safe levels, why is it a terrible idea to eat a well done steak? Listen, it's... It's not a terrible idea to eat a well-done steak if that's how you like it. My dad. But you're just wrong. <laughs> My dad. <laughs> <You're> wrong. <laughs> so it's not, it's, not, it's not bad as much as just wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. Uh, it's, it's, but, you know, it's like anything. It's like people who, who I don't know. I don't even know what to, say, what, what to equate it to in this case. Who it's, like well-done tuna? 
<laughs> yeah, people who like well done tuna. People who, you know, I don't know, d- like coffee with five sugars and a bunch of syrups yeah. and foam latte, whatever is in it. It's like, just drink it black. But um, it's just not, I mean, most most of us would agree. So it's funny because it goes down to like the whole thing of barbecue judging and competition barbecue. Most places wait taste as the heavy as the most um revered score but like i think it should be texture because if you if i gave you like a rib that was really tough most people would agree that that's an unpleasant eating experience it's not as subjective as taste and so i think well done steak is kind of that thing that like the toughness of it by most people is accepted to be unpleasant. That's how people die from steak when it's overcooked. They choke on it. <laughs> it's true. It's way like you swallow some of that. I mean, I, I grew up eating this type of meat, you know. Well, and kind I of did a, too. Yeah. So it, it, you got to chew the hell out of it like a chipmunk in the back of your cheek until you can swallow that dry piece of Yeah, meat. your jaw gets tired. Mm. Well, I equate it when I used to work at a coffee shop. I used to say, do you want, do you just want a milkshake? Like I'd mess with people because it's like, <laughs> you want that much milk and sugar. Yeah. It's like, if you want a well done steak, maybe you don't want steak. Like maybe you want the chicken. Yeah. Maybe you don't like steak. Yeah. Or like, don't get a ribeye. Get a tough cut that has to be cooked the whole way, you know? Like, what would you suggest as a tough cut? I mean, get a, get a sirloin cap if you like to chew your meat that much. It'll be cheaper. That, you hear that? Well done, people. Yeah. Stover Harger the second. Don't waste your money, Dad. He doesn't. He buys the, the cheap meat. <laughs> okay, good. Steak is steak for a lot of people. Yeah. So when they say, I'm going to have steak, it doesn't matter what the cut is. They're going to have steak and they'll buy whatever is the best price because steak is steak. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our show, you, a lot of other people in the barbecue family are trying to kind of educate people about the nuances of cooking meat. Mm. And the problem is that there are some, most things that are labeled steak are steaks. And to me, that means that they can be cooked to the degree of doneness that you prefer. Whereas non-steak cuts need to be cooked until they're done, um, you know, really broken down. But there's a couple of cuts that are called a steak that aren't really a steak. And Mm -hmm. I know I do a lot of work with Texas Beef Council and they get a lot of calls from people who are like, I bought this and it's something from the hind quarter usually, you know, and and I threw it on the grill until it was medium rare and it's tough. Like, what do I do? (laughs) And they're like, how do we explain to you? So they're trying to educate too. A London broil is, they call that a steak. Yeah, it's not. (laughs) I tried to cook one of those because that was the first steak I ever had when I was growing up at a steakhouse. And it was such a cool experience with a knife and a huge meat on my plate. And then I, I tried to replicate a London broil and I learned that it's one of like the, the worst cuts because you just have to load it with vinegar and stuff. And then it just tastes all horrible if you want to tenderize <laughs> it. And, you know, my fiance loved it, but I was not feeling it. It tasted good. The texture, I wasn't having. It was rough. Well, because I, I, I've been doing like eight years of ribeye because that's what I perfected. So anytime I cook steak, I just go to ribeye. Yeah. And I just like it. It's, it's easy to cook. It's fast. Yeah, that's true. So Jess, you brought beer. So you dropped something. Do you need another one? Yeah, I was going to say. I'm going to get a beer. Yeah. Do you want me to get some beers? Yeah. Oh, is that a Yeti? I Let's see look. a Yeti in the it's corner. It's a Yeti full of Lone Star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A nice Yeti tote full of Lone Star beer. Yeah. Light yeah. and regular Lone Star. Yep. What are you drinking, the National Yeti? Beer of Texas. I'll take either. I, I just had a light. I might have a... A regular? A regular. Yeah, come and take it. Yeah, it's the special Texas Independence Day edition, which I find, like, they, they're yeah. so down with their branding. I'm jealous. Now, we originally were scheduled to talk on Texas Independence Day. True. But now we're talking on National Women's Day. Yes. How's that? 
feels you natural either way. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we know Jess loves talking about being a woman in the barbecue space. Yeah. It's her favorite thing to discuss. Well, I woke up this morning and checked that I was still a woman, and I was, and therefore, let's celebrate <laughs> Women's Day. I tell Yoni that every morning. He says I'm sick. I tell him I check to see if I'm a woman, and he doesn't like to hear about it. <laughs> so, uh, have you heard uh, McDonald's is flipping all their M's to W's <laughs> on all their, their cups and a lot of their Are stuff? Are you for real? Yeah. Straight up. I, I thought it was April Fool's, but I was like, no, nah, it's still March. Yeah. I'm down with anything well, a big corporation wants to do to further any cause, you know, but, you know, whatever. At least well, they're acknowledging it. That, that's the yeah. thing. Like, even if it is a marketing ploy, whatever, it's a good, it's, 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 it's good to pay attention to it. I've talked about my love for McDonald's on this show, and, and Yoni hates it. There's something about McDonald's. You just get a dollar burger. It's the child thing in me. Maybe it's the addict in me. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it has a lot of memories for us as kids, I think, too. Especially when in the good old days when they used to cook their fries in tallow. Mm. Mm. That old beef. Well, I was vegan when they stopped doing that. Yeah, I was vegan. She gave me a crazy look. Yeah. I was vegan in high school. I was in a hardcore straight-edge band. So okay. It goes and, and now you're eating Portland, beer, Oregon. eating barbecue and drinking beer. <laughs> well, I'm 35 years old now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I started eating at McDonald's when they switched over to vegetable oil. But that's also when I know, based on history, when their fries started tasting bad. Yeah. Because they put sort of artificial beef kind of flavor in there, I learned. So. I can't believe it's not beef. I can't believe it's not beef. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we have two very good alternatives here in Austin, which is P. Terry's and In-N-Out Burger. You got a preference? Yeah, both of those are my least favorite places. Yeah, really? in Austin. I, I don't right. eat at Whataburger anymore. Let's talk about it. Okay, I love Whataburger. I do, but so I don't like In and Out at all. In and Out's fries are disgusting. Um, and if you can't have good fries to back up the burger, it's inappropriate. Also, it's Californian. There's so many good Texan places. I don't like P. Terry's very much. I don't like the portion sizes. Their fries like hit the roof of your mouth and stab you a little bit. <laughs> and uh, they do that whole thing about it being like, so this is, you know what I was talking before about like dispelling consumer uh, misunderstandings. Sure. I've seen their billboards, which is fine. It says like all natural Angus. It's mm. like, okay, that if you know what you're looking at, that doesn't mean anything because all natural isn't mandated anywhere or, or it, you don't have to qualify for anything. It, it's just a terminology that marketing people use. And Angus just means that the cow was black. It doesn't speak anything about the quality or anything like that. So I'm looking at just, you know, it, it doesn't, that billboard doesn't actually mean anything. But I know a lot of people like their stuff. I just don't like the taste of their burgers. So let's talk about what's good. Short Stop is one of the most underrated oh, burger places whoa. in the whole city. I drive Ooh. by that all the time. Uh huh. Um, Sandy's on Barton Springs. Hell yeah. Uh, Crown and Anchor. Wow. Top really Notch. Top Notch is bomb. Um, that and Short Stop, I think. I'm not 100% sure, but I think that they do some kind of flame grill situation because it's got that same flavor profile as Top Notch. Um, and any of those places I would be happy to eat at any day of the week. And then if you can't go to those specific places, if I'm just out on the road somewhere, it's Whataburger for sure. Wow. What about, what about the Angry Whopper from Burger King? <laughs> Hashtag woke with Jess Priles. I got a whole new list now. She's I got to go you back been, and hit these. Yeah. Like when's I've the last time you, you I live up the hill from Sandy's. Yeah, Sandy's and Sandy's has their moments, but they just like really good buns and that Thursday, I think it's a Thursday, Wednesday, maybe and Saturday deal that they do. It's good. Do you ever do dance? 
Yeah, there's a dance right by me, but I just, I don't. Because since they went to like being a fake in and out with their refurbishment. You know what's really cool though? Dan's breakfast. Yeah, Dan's breakfast is Dan's cool, right? sit down, like serve table service breakfast. So unexpected. Yeah, it's like a burger place that does breakfast on the weekends. Yeah, like it's like a diner on the weekends. It's cool. Yeah. It's actually, I think it's every day of the week. So diners are one of my uh, are one of my favorite things. Do you have uh, something that's like from Australia that doesn't really exist in Austin that that you miss? A type of food establishment? Anything? Yeah. Because he's from New York, so you. Yeah, you... I'm from New York, so I like dollar slices of pizza. You know, twenty four hour diner stuff. And like good that. bagels. Yeah, good bagels. Yeah. Um, I bring over. This is so weird. Every time I come back, I bring over my favorite brand of canned tuna from Australia because that's my secret, like, sad, non-adulting meal when I just can't, you know? when And, and there was this one brand that I've eaten since I was a kid and I haven't didn't find good tuna. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm so busy and I've got nothing in the house and I'm not going out to eat, so I'm going to boil some rice and throw a can of tuna in it. That's that You heard it here first. Nice. Bring over Vegemite because Australia... You can get that here though, right? probably more expensive uh, yeah it's super super expensive here but you can you can get it at world market i think um and you can you probably bring back like the tubs we can just buy the little jars yeah industrial size um meat pies when i go home fish and chips when i go home like good fish and chips so there's just there's just a few kind of signature dishes but there's no i, I don't think like establishment kind of thing that i miss can you get a nuance of flavor with a canning like can you actually tell the difference between tuna like, why does the canned tuna that you bring over taste better than... Uh... I think it's... Because I think I... I think what happened was that I bought the wrong kind of tuna the first couple of times. And I bought the, like, flaked stuff instead of the chunks. Ah. And I was like, this is disgusting cat food. And <laughs> then I got scared because I think I bought two or three different kinds and none of them were good. Uh-huh. And there's probably great e- equal stuff out there. But um, now I'm, I have a fear of trying. The ones that taste best are the ones that are not dolphin safe. A little yeah. bit of dolphin sneaks in there. Yeah. It's like it just enhances the flavor profile. <laughs> well, and uh, I've I've worked in kitchens where the chef would threaten to put a can of tuna on someone's plate if they ordered another well done tuna because we get this like <laughs> you know instant frozen fresh uh, tuna slices to to cook and you know he didn't he barely wanted to sear them you know yeah yeah it's a uh, it's funny just the way that I don't know do you do you feel like when you elevate your knowledge of food that there's almost a challenge when there's just so many people that don't get what's going on and you're doing such a good job? Uh, no, look, everyone's still going to like what they like, you know, um, you can't change what people grew. And, and even then I think, you know, one of the reasons I think someone like Anthony Bourdain is, is so popular with so many people is because he straddles both. He can roll up to French laundry and, you know, understand ingredients, understand technique, uh, show you some of the most uh, avant-garde and classic cuisine in the world, but he can also like walk the boardwalk in New Jersey and get a corn dog and be like, "Let me tell you why this corn dog is the best corn dog in the world." So that's that. That's kind of how I try to be with my food as well. Like I don't want to necessarily have everything bacon wrapped, stuffed, you know, right. meatloaf, whatever. But I'm not above I'm not above a molten cheese center either. But it has to be peppered with. <laughs> nicer um ingredients for me personally or nicer nicer uh, recipes so i'm a big fan of like maddie matheson and mm-hmm. some of these new food guys uh and they do that same thing where they're like 
let's take the cheapest burger and then go spend like $200 on a burger. Are you watching anyone specific or do you do you see is there some trend or anything that you that you like that's out right now? I I not I'm not really watching anyone specific. Um I think that watching too much of that with what I do can actually leak into what I do in an adverse way because you end up inadvertently kind of emulating what someone else has done because that's what you're watching. So I try and, you know, eat in, eat out a lot to understand different ingredients and what different chefs are doing and be inspired and have a subscription to a bunch of food magazines to just be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about pink grapefruit. What can I do with that? You know, kind of thing. But... um on the whole, no, I don't, the, you know, the funny thing is, I think that there's a whole, I think that there's a big move with food and memory or feeling. Like if I, I'm going to ask both of you guys, think about it while I go through the rest of this, but what your favorite, what the best meal you've ever had is. Okay. Yeah. And remember, your, remember what you're going to answer me. Nine times out of 10, the answer will be associated with travel or, or, a family memory. So I was going through this desert in New Mexico and we stumbled across this little gas station. There's a little woman selling tamales and blah, 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 because you love that trip and that time in your life. So the food becomes more memorable. Um, part of that. And, and Josh Ozersky wrote this article in defense of comfort food. And he was like the best grilled cheese and tomato soup you've ever had is going to be wonder bread with American cheese and Campbell's or Heinz, what it, Campbell's soup, because that's what we had as kids, and that's it. We don't want like tomato bisque with basil when we want grilled cheese and tomato soup, you know. So, what are your be- favorite food memories? Round table pizza, for sure. Te- which is their cheapest pepperoni pizza that they have. It's a West Coast pizza place. Yeah, a chain. Yeah, they do a kind of cracker crust. Mm-hmm. Now. Everyone I tell that that's my favorite pizza who knows what it is says, yeah. what are you, crazy? When when did you first start eating it? As a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I used to go there after Little League. Mm-hmm. used to go to the jukebox. Same. I used to put on songs. Turning the tables, asking us mm-hmm. questions. Right. Yeah. Yoni? Uh, I have two, actually. I immediately thought of my, like, Shabbos Friday night dinner with my mom. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I don't think that she ever did it on purpose, but she would find that perfect place, you know, every three or four weeks where the chicken just came out just right, whether we got back from synagogue early or, you know, we'd get it like just right. It wasn't overcooked. It wasn't undercooked. She put a ton of barbecue sauce on it, but there was always like sides and it's just always that meal, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is the travel one. I went to Korea and we got this like spicy chicken on a stick on the street and it was the hottest thing I've probably eaten in a long time. But I couldn't stop eating it. Like it was just as hot and we we're walking around just sweating. Like we got to find that chicken guy again. We got to get more <laughs> of this chicken. It was so good. But I think that's pretty like in every time I've turned the tables on someone when I have this discussion, honestly, I don't think there's been a, a situation where that rule hasn't applied. And it's really interesting because it, it leaches into so much about like, I think also why barbecue is so popular because it's people walking into, you know, like, pe- okay. The last Five times I've eaten at Smitty's in Lockhart have been extremely underwhelming by standards of modern barbecue. I have a tremendous amount of respect for the place and the role that they play as part of the history, but the food is not that good anymore from the last five times I've been. Right. But if you send someone there 
even you know our even like Billy Durney who had you know that was his religious experience with barbecue if if you send someone there who hasn't ever walked into that creaking wire door creosote covered walls butcher shop they're gonna think that that's some of the best barbecue they've ever eaten because it's so powerfully influential that environment and that experience and it's what it's like hashtag texas right yeah for so many people this is what texas is i mean i'm, I'm in a movie right now well and if you go there you realize they're cooking compared to modern they're wild style they've got the fires just open and you can see the draw they're literally just drawing the smoke from an open fire there's no enclosure around the fire it's going into this old system that's getting sucked up and they leave it open half the time like mm. how can you have any control over that but you ha- you almost have to like time when you go so that you get the brisket right because you don't know how long it's been sitting there yeah it, i mean and that's that's a big part of it as well i mean so i think like one of the big revolutions of mod the modern new school of barbecue particularly with mr franklin was a chef-like approach to not serving it if it's not up to scratch. And that just couldn't exist in barbecue prior because you couldn't make a living doing that if you if you decided to, this brisket's not working for me, I'm pulling it from service. It's You'd go broke in a yeah. second. But he put himself to that standard in addition to understanding a bunch of other ways about how to cook. And it changed everything. But these old places aren't doing that. And, and, you know, but, but I think a big part of barbecue for a lot of people is not necessarily the taste. They couldn't tell you what ingredients or how it was cooked. They know the experience, like you said. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that Salt Lake in Austin, just outside Austin, there's a couple locations. When people come to Austin for the first time, that's their favorite barbecue of all time. Yeah. And then when they learn a little more, maybe they have a new favorite. But, you know, the location, location, location does matter for a lot of these places. There's legend built into it, and it feels... Like it tastes better. I remember my first visit to Salt Lake and it was, yeah, I showed up, there was an off duty cop who's still in his, you know, <laughs> d- directing traffic and he's in the cowboy hat and the, the you know, it looks like the aviators and howdy and yeah. park over here. And there are live oaks everywhere and wood beams and stone and the pit. And like, then you say to people, now I say to them, I'm like, so you saw the pit. Yeah. And you saw how big the restaurant was. Yeah. And you think that everybody in that restaurant was fed off that pit? Yeah. Oh. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. This is pretty best barbecue show. This is many yeah. years ago when well, I first why, came to town. Why would you question it if you, when you don't understand that? You it's, know, it's not like they hide it. You can see the big black smokers along the back. It's just if you're not looking for them, you don't realize that they're there. Mm-hmm. And you think everything's cooked on that little fire. Because yeah. you see it on Instagram. Everyone who goes there goes right and takes a picture of it. But I it's do. a great I looking restaurant. Awesome yeah, looking. Right? And it, it, it is time. a fun place to go. Yeah. You can get all you can eat and they give you leftovers. She gave me bad eyes the last time I went there a couple years ago. But I asked for a whole nother plate of brisket to go. <laughs> and they gave it to me. <laughs> That's amazing. They gave me a giant plate of brisket to go. Well, so... Was that your first Texas experience, or when did when did Texas barbecue, you know, first fall in front of you? First taste was the now defunct Arts Rib House. Oh, really? On South Lamar, and it was a beef rib. Ooh. Yep. And by and it was a beef back rib, and by today's standards, same thing. Like not very good, but for the first taste that I'd ever have had of smoked meat with very heavy seasoning, it was like it, it changed everything boom yep and so did the moment you tasted that did did your life change or what you know what 
give us the uh, from Arts Rib House to now. Where where did the where did the curve come from? Hardcore Carnivore. Uh, it the first thing it did the the initial thing was it made me fall deeper in love with Texas because by this stage I was like Austin ten years ago, and I'm sure there are people who have been here for longer than that who think that Austin 10 years ago is still modern Austin for sure but Austin 10 years ago was an incredibly different city to what it is now even I know it's still changed but the only like white guy bars on the east six at that time were Shangri-La and Buenos Aires had that was it when I first came here and uh so it first made me fall deeper in love with Texas because it was part of this like boots and barbecue and god barbecue is that good awesome and then the short version of it is, as I kept coming back to Austin to visit, kept eating more barbecue, then got fascinated about how it was made, got frustrated with not being able to find the similar cuts at home, wanted to understand why that was as a complete layperson. And then when you fall down that rabbit hole of beef, butchery, breeds, genetics, you start to like inadvertently learn a bunch. And, and then it... And as I was learning about barbecue, obviously the knowledge that I was getting applies to meat in general. So I was learning to cook better steaks and learning to to just become a better meat cook overall. And then it just fell into... A, I always loved meat, but it was a full-blown love affair by the end of it. Well, and uh, Australians love their meat. They it's do. Definitely. You don't see as many vegans and vegetarians there. Uh, you do, Probably in big, the city. Yeah, they're yeah. big on the health, like... There's a lot of health lifestyle bloggers. In fact, we had one of the biggest controversies of this woman who was running like a vegetarian pantry website. Like the, the I can't even remember. It had some ridiculous name, like the holistic whatever. And she ended up being a complete fraud. She told people that she had cancer and beat it with her diet. And like she, she, they're trying to arrest her and find her at this point. Wow. She, wow. she On the run in Perth or she something? She had a book out. No, I Jeez. mean, she was a huge celebrity. And they then found out that the whole thing was a lie. Wow. Yeah. They'll arrest you for lying in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful what you say over there, I hear. <laughs> we well, she was also we meant want. to give a bunch of stuff to charity. And oh, that didn't oh well, they, well they, that'll do it in any country. Yeah. Hey, Yoni, I have an idea. What's that? You want to sell some t-shirts real quick? Yeah. Let's do it. I gotta go pee. Okay. We'll, you got a quick we'll be right back. <laughs> Ooh, that was up. We'll be right back. This is a message to the meat man. I am trapped in the best barbecue show t-shirt mine underneath our studio. Yoni forced me down here and said I have to dig up 10,000 shirts before he'll let me out. Dover! Yeah? You can't come out until you dig up a thousand meat man shirts. One thousand? Yeah, a thousand. We need them. Amazon says they're unavailable. Okay, well, you guys might as well go and pre-order some because I'm going to be down here a while and, you know, we got to make some money. Get to work, Stover. Okay. Tell, tell them the link works. The link works on Amazon, people. It says unavailable, but it really works. It actually works. It's not our fault. When you hit, when you hit confirm purchase, it'll send you one. <laughs> I'm going to get back to work. Amazon's too big to take care of our problems. Yell at Amazon. Bye. Swing that hammer. And send us more jackhammers. <laughs> All right, we're back in the studio with Jess Priles. I want to thank her for bringing the beer in, but that's why we had to take the break, because I had a coffee, a beer, and a water. <laughs> it went right through me. Well, now that you've made room, feel free to have more. <laughs> I'm going to finish that Yeti cooler full of beer by the end of the show. Yeah, we'll see. There's a lot in there. Uh, so I 
when I was in Australia years ago, I bought my friends the little pouches that are made out of kangaroo scrotums. Yeah. <laughs> and I heard, I think it's your book launch that you brought someone those also. Do you bring those back for a lot of people? Yeah, I did for because now they have versions where the hair is still on there and they stuff <laughs> them and it's a key ring. Like a rabbit's foot, but a kangaroo nutsack instead, which is real nice. And yeah, I did bring them back. Frank Mancuso from St. Arnold, like he asked for, there's a version that's a bottle opener. So I brought one back for him and one back for my boyfriend. And I'm like, this this, this is a whole new truck nuts thing. You should just put this on your tow bar. <laughs> I, w- I just thought it was funny that, you know, after I, I went there more than a decade ago and it, uh, that that still kind of plays as a, as a good joke. <laughs> right. Uh, people love it they love like evan evan Leroy came out there because i brought him out to cook at an event that i was doing back then in the day and we went to like the the market area where all the souvenirs are and he ended up buying like i think it's a kangaroo paw that's a a a bottle opener on the other end it's just hideous i'd imagine that our version here is like an armadillo yeah or or a deer hoof yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) how would you cook a deer hoof (laughs) well i've cooked deer shank Oh, yeah, okay. Does that count? It counts. Yeah. There's no good answer for how to cook deer hoof. Well, you probably wouldn't want to cook the hoof because of all the bacteria on it since yeah. it's the direct contact. Barbecue people hate wasting meat, hate wasting part of an animal, but some things I've learned, like teeth, you just shouldn't cook. Well, the, the hoof is just keratin-like hair, right? Yeah. Like it's it's a nail. It's like eating fingernails. There goes yeah. my next question. I was going to ask how to cook that. <laughs> uh, have you done a ton of hunting since moving to Texas? Yeah. yeah. How do you like it? I love it. Um, I've definitely like found an ethical area that I'm happy with, but I love deer hunting. I only shoot, I only, sh- I only shoot, I don't bow hunt and I only do low fence hunting and I process all my own animals cause not to be a hero. It's fun. Like that's, I'm interested in butchery. Of course I would want to break down my own carcass and find different things that I can do with it, but I love it. Yeah, Brendan Lamb and I have talked about this a lot. Like, it's on my list, and me and Brendan have talked about hunting too. So, did you? Uh, so, do you have a crew you go with? Or you just kind of jump in wherever you can, or what? I'm lucky enough that yeah. So I, I have certain people. So Marvin Bendeley, who's the director of Foodways Texas, um, he is the first person to have ever taken me hunting. It was on his family's property just outside of San Antonio. And it was the best first time hunting experience because his family takes deer to supplement their food during the year. And his dad actually started hunting at like age six to feed the family. Like he was told to, go, you know, every couple of weeks, okay, you have to go out and get a deer. And to have that connection and that respect that it was actually a necessary protein and still remain so is awesome. It was just awesome. So he and I now go every year. We, you know, we always, of course, ask for permission. And if I do get a deer there, um, this is the first year that I didn't get anything there. But um, if we do get a deer, I make sure that the family's left with a big old backstrap, you know, as a, as a thank you. And um, we usually go towards the end of season to make sure that everyone else has gotten everything that they need. But um, I'm lucky enough to be invited to a few different places to do that. So... And you're not cutting that out of your schedule now that you're busy, right? And make sure to hunt. I, I don't have to worry about that till November. All right. Yeah, I guess we're we're out of hunting. It's also now. content. That's the other thing. Like every time I go, the last time I hunted in Uvalde County, I was it was also sponsored. Like I was paid because they wanted to film me for a promotional video because they have so much hunting there. So 
Awesome. If, if you can tie it into work, even better. It's fun you, work. You could be on your laptop, take a break, shoot a deer, get back, finish Did that blog post. Did you see the video? Post. No, I haven't you seen know, it. There, there was a, there was a, you need to see the video. There was a guy in the blind with me who actually caught on video me shooting my first access buck. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. How but do those taste? There was not a computer in there. <laughs> We ate one of your animals at your book signing last month. You did. That was a whitetail. In Austin. That mm-hmm. was good. Yeah, was all that food terrine. was delicious. They made a terrine. They did. So it was cool. I had my, I had my, it was media only, so no, don't anyone get butt hurt. But um, <laughs> I had the book launch at Salt and Time, and I said to them, look, I want y'all, y'all are being generous by giving me this, this venue, so let's have your chef do his thing but I'm going to get you the ingredients. So it was his concept and like he used hardcore carnivore rubs in a lot of it. And we used Lone Mountain Wagyu who I've done a lot of work with for the beef. But then the best part when you, cause you can't obviously sell wild game, but you can give it away. So once we knew that it was a friends and family media thing and that no one was going to have to pay for anything, I'm like, I'm going to feed everyone my deer. That'd be really cool. You make what I like to call uh, kind of a, a gourmet version of meat-heavy centric food because after looking through your cookbook, it reminds me a lot of the cookbooks I read when I first started to cook. And I was interested in technique, sauces, different ways of presenting things, kind of unique flavors. And there's so much variety going on in your book. It reminds me of those kind of gourmet books I used to read where it's almost like a cooking school inside of it. That's mind-blowing for me to hear because I'm completely self-taught. and And I often feel like... I wish I could just like stage in a kitchen for, in a, you know, a French kitchen for two weeks so that I can understand more about emulsification and sauces and master things, you know, and, and just like very classical cooking. Cause sometimes I feel a little bit restrained by not having that information. So it's kind of cool to hear you say that. Well, how but, long is cooking school? What? Four years? Well, yeah. I mean, how long have you been cooking? it's not just that I've been, I mean, I've been cooking all my life, but I've been intensively cooking five, six years now, but it's, it, there's a difference between school and life. Like there, there'll just be things, especially if you walk into a commercial kitchen and there's tools have so much to do with cooking. Like the smash burgers that I make, you need a very firm spatula and you need a flat griddle and they're not expensive and they're not complicated. But if you don't have those two things, you will not get a good smash burger. And so we know that about those tools, but imagine all the insane tools they have in a, in a full commercial kitchen. Like, oh my God, this makes it so easy. Like, have you ever used a Robocoop? <laughs> no, no. It's, you know? it's just a Cuisinart. It's a Cuisinart with like a, like a V12 motor in it because <laughs> like that shit puree, you know, you only go do a sauce at home and then you're like, oh, I have to strain it and it's kind of like lumpy still and you're like, eh, whatever. Like this thing just pulverizes the quality. It's... Yeah, so that's what I get excited about because I'm like, no wonder it's so much harder at home. No wonder they can be so professional with all this amazing, yeah. you know, equipment. Well, and the Roboku has buttons like it's some kind of industrial machine too. Yeah. Like the big green, big red buttons. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in some French kitchens and, you know, I think that from looking at your book, you know, I, I wouldn't have known that you didn't know that stuff. I'd, I'd think that you... you you had already staged. Oh, well, that, that, yes, I have, actually. <laughs> but I, I'm going to say it again. You're downplaying your abilities because I can cook the hell out of food because I'm doing it for like 10 years every day. Mm-hmm. That is training. That's we didn't true. go to school to do a podcast, and ours is the best barbecue show. Yeah, we are the best barbecue <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, so we became the best uh, right away without any training because we, we practiced. Mm-hmm. 
and practice is, is what it is. Sure, you can't do the higher end stuff. You know, I went to this fancy restaurant, $300 a head one time, and it was all these, they, they made a foam uh, snowball almost out of cream, mm-hmm. and it was huge, like styrofoam, and then you, you kind of put a piece in your mouth and disappeared completely. Great. They had the technique and the skills to do that. Yeah. I'm sure your food tastes better. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, 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 I to do. me, I'm an egalitarian about it. Taste, experience, enjoyment, fun flavors. So, and that's so the, the idea for the recipes in the book is that I wanted it to be mainly approachable with a few challenges one, in terms of technique, and two, in terms of f- flavor profiles, maybe. So, you know, there's there's chicken fried steak and burgers and pickle brine chicken nuggets and just things that are just plainly delicious. But they're also a little bit more complex, like I said, than just cheese wrapped, bacon wrapped uh, or cheese stuffed bacon wrapped. And then there's, you know, there's a couple of barbecue recipes in there. There's no brisket. I did beef cheeks instead and a lamb shoulder because it's again like y'all can buy so many books about how to cook a brisket. I want to contribute something different. Mm-hmm. Um and then even like Brussels sprouts and bacon is a thing, but I did Brussels Brussels sprouts and guanciale. So let's like push people to try a new thing without it being awful or stomach lining or kidneys or something that is going to be a little bit too far for people. So and there's stuff like the wor- the worst part about this is this. Like I made last year, my favorite part about hunting has been coming up with new recipes in a way to use venison that are super non-traditional for Texans. So even my venison chili is with stew meat, not ground chili. Cause I like that idea of the texture a little bit better, but I made this savory venison strudel and it's ground venison with a lot of shallot and um, sour cherries because sweetness and venison is so good together. And then a bunch of like phyllo dough. And it's delicious. It's kind of like a riff on, I guess, nearly the Greek style, like Spanakopitas, where they're all savory kind of things too. And it's like one of the worst performing recipes I've ever posted because people just don't, There, there's this element of food porn, especially when you're sharing so much on social media. I feel like if I had a restaurant and that was on the menu, it would be like celebrated everywhere as being like so, so chic and such a good idea. But in the area that I have to, the main area that I have to exist in and move in online right now, it's like, yeah, I guess I'll just bacon wrap something else. I saw bacon wrapped. Okay. I'm going to throw a question back on you guys now. (laughs) Please. Tell me the first feeling that you have when I say to you, bacon wrapped pork belly cubes. (laughs) Well, I don't eat pork, so... And I couldn't I'm think because I had a heart attack. <laughs> I mean, that sounds, conce- re- that sounds redundant. You can, you can it, comment on that conceptually. It right? sounds I, silly. I just, I, I lived, so, and you've been here about as long as I have, about mm-hmm. 10 years. Austin had this like bacon fever Everywhere. over the last. With the bacon restaurant. Yeah. There, there's restaurants that, I mean, there's a bunch of restaurants that are very pork centric, but there's ones ju- that are just called bacon or they have bacon in the name and it's like. Yes, it's delicious. It's like when you go to, uh, in San Francisco, they have all those guys that bacon wrap the hot dogs and cook them on the side of the road. You know, it's more of like a drunk food, but it gets lots of clicks and lots of likes. Yeah. She might want to join our hashtag campaign. Ooh. It's anti-food porn of a sort. Hashtag don't squeeze your meat. Yeah, don't squeeze your meat. 
Do you want me to get into? I've got. Yes, it. yeah, Please. let's go. We're trying to get this going. It started with Corkscrew and our yeah. conversation with Will and Nicole. Well, and now our guys, we've been watching the hashtag, and our guys, you know, our meat men out there have been tagging other people. And there's a guy that full on, he cuts the moist off a brisket and just squeezes you wanna, it. Can you write down the name and show me? Yeah. Uh, he can pull it up. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's, here's I have so many feelings right now. <laughs> the thing about not just even the squeezing, it I think it actually happened from Australia. It was also the smushing, like to prove how tender something was, like if it's a beef rib. Right. My issue with it and why I've like stopped giving as much. I give a shit about Instagram in that I care about what I post and I post frequently, but I'm I'm not letting it run my life like I would have maybe two years ago with like content, content, content. And I don't like the idea of being wasteful with food. And when you spend that much time cooking and you're ju- you're not like a food celebrity, you're just an everyday person who happens to have a popular grilling account or a barbecue account. And you cook this beautiful piece of meat to perfection and then smush it with your fat fingers. <laughs> and I say fat from the meat lace, not because everybody, you know, I don't have a problem with anyone of any size from the yeah, fat laced meat fingers. And, and you've now completely destroyed that eating experience and wasted that food experience, essentially, just so the Internet can like you. So that's my first problem, and it's the same as the meat squeeze. Hang I'm on. showing her a video right now on the barbecue yeah, that's it. page that I that's see. That's it. Here. That's it. And my friend, my friend Jay, who runs the meat stock account, is like totally guilty of doing that, and he stopped. He stopped doing it because he realized like that he kind of started this nightmare thing. And the other thing I have an issue with, which is a, this is a great opportunity to set this straight because this was it. kind of a fight online too. I posted an angry tweet about wishing people would fucking stop putting bone in meat in sandwiches. <laughs> and that was inspired by a sandwich that I'd seen somewhere from some restaurant somewhere that had a whole tomahawk in there. And also a sandwich that was done locally as an homage to another prominent barbecue person in Austin which was brisket slices, slaw, and bone-in pork ribs. And um, Love Barbecue did it and named it after this person. And I, like, messaged Allie. And I'm like, yo, so you might want to, like, put a release for when someone, like, bites into your sandwich. Like, I love Allie and Leanne. But, like, when they bite into your sandwich and chip their tooth off because you've put a fucking bone in the sandwich... (laughs) And, and that's just for food porn value, right? Because it's so ridiculous and it layers it so high and it's completely, un, it, it's just, it's, it's not edible. And that wasn't just a stunt? That was actually something they were serving? They did it for a day because this yeah. person had, has a lot of influence and oh, prominence. Okay. So it was easy for them to do. They, I don't even know if anyone even ordered it, but it was just a way for them to keep relations good with that person. And then they would have retweeted it and reposted it and whatever. Like it's all, you know. But then what happened off the back of that, I was specifically talking about, it's the same as like putting 10 patties in a burger. Like no one wants to eat that. That's not practical. It's also the ratio is off. You're just being gratuitous and you're wasting food. Okay. So uh, someone started tweeting at me like, if you knew your Texas barbecue heritage, you would understand that the rib sandwich is actually an old school menu item as part of Texas barbecue. 
which it technically is. And what that is, is the same as those old school joints where you go and it'll be like chopped beef sandwich, brisket sandwich, blah, 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 sandwich, blah, 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 sandwich. And this was a rib sandwich. And when you ordered a rib sandwich, you would get a connected chunk like a McRib with two pieces of white bread. It may or may not come physically between the white bread, but that's what you get with it. And then the idea is that you then pull out the bones and do it from there. But it is by no means a cohesive sandwich. It is just a... And and I was like, you know, if you have to go out of your way to like have this argument with me about something you know is not what I'm talking about, and also arguably not a very interesting, classic, or intelligent menu item. So I just wanted to set the record straight. Tremendous amount of respect for old school ways, but... Don't come at me with semantics. I, I I have zero respect for food wastage and for the art of turning food into a clickbait. And 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 I'm not. I'm guilty of some of it. Like I'm guilty of the cheese pull and you know the perfect uh, brisket slice or you know the jelly wobble or whatever it is. I just smacked yeah. the I smacked an jiggle. imaginary ass right then too. <laughs> but. I, I still do it with restraint to where I'm not being wasteful. Yeah. I mean, we eat everything. Like, we get these giant trays of meat sometimes, Southside Market, other places. But we feed our girlfriends, fiancés, other people that are in the studio here. Like, we don't throw anything away. Yeah, with the exception of when I forgot that style switch brisket in the back of my car, which I, there's one piece of brisket. I apologize. So how do y'all <laughs> feel about... I'm going to do this again. How Please. do y'all feel about... I know y'all trying to grow your audience and grow your social media sure. too. And so you know that those type of photos elicit great response. Do you have a kind of moral compass for that kind of thing? Well, we try to uh, we try to have fun with our fans. So we like to post more big pieces of meat getting cooked. Uh, just things like, you know, uh, there's a picture of Bert from Trudy's Underground Barbecue in L.A. with a huge stack of ribs next to him we just like the kind of the meat porn but i don't do we have any bone-in sandwiches no i thought about it early on and then i didn't because i saw it was a cliche a bunch of people were doing it we will do funny stuff but mostly we will just be like the idea of funny stuff we won't like throw meat we don't do stuff like that Mm. i save those bones normally we could make a stock we are going to make a funny video with two beef bones (laughs) Um, we, we try to but repurpose everything. Yeah. I mean that, but that's, di- that's different. It's just, yeah, it's different. So I'm going to show her, I'm not going to have her reveal these numbers. That's a little too behind the scenes, but these are our top viewed posts on Instagram and you can get a sense of what people are paying attention to. And yes, uh, there is some pornography in there from the early days of the account. But since then we've been going to every place and it's like most, the seat belts. like the seatbelts. I attempted a lot of things and guess what? It does work, which is why you're seeing a lot of it. Of course. I know. But what works the most is personality, regularity, and just having fun with it. And I've learned that we can just be ourselves and take our own pictures. We don't have to repurpose everything. And then we can just give shout outs to fun stuff or yeah. funny things. Mm. But Well, and I love in the barbecue world reposting and sharing. And there's not a lot of bad blood. You know, besides uh, those extraneous things, most people are excited to hear what you're doing. Most people are excited to hear from our show. Most people love to be a part of the barbecue family yeah there's a barbecue family. i mean there are you know i don't want to delve too much into the 
angry subterranean world of Instagram, but there are, especially in the grilling domain, a lot of just straight repost accounts that are that are run either by two factions, like one by a company that's kind of masquerading so they can build numbers and market, um, or two that it's just someone that doesn't really know what they're doing and sees that you're supposed to just write flame emoji brand ambassador and then repost other people's pictures and then wait for all the free barbecue sauce to roll in. Right. Well, in the barbecue world, you can be happy to know that Stover is reeling. There, there's a few guys that Stover has actually uh, taught a lesson on Instagram. I, I'm, I'm taking phone calls from some meat men and other pit masters and stuff to help them out. It, you know, a lot of personality goes a long way and picking the right times to post goes a long way. You don't have to resort to meat porn people. Well, and I'm talking about, you know, there was that guy that came in with a very heavy repost account that you kind of put in his Oh, I shut recently. that guy down hard. What's the story? Some well, you know, you've seen all these accounts, these random couple hundred person barbecue accounts that are trying to get started. Things the ones like that. that I have to keep blocking from using my content. The ones that are stealing all your stuff. Yeah. yeah. So they're trying to bounce off the the audiences that are successful. Someone took a photo that we had that was reposted by someone else, gave credit to the original person. I'm like, hey, can you uh, just tag uh, Best Barbecue on that? And he's like, it's not your photo, brah. <laughs> and so I just tore into him. And by the end, he was asking me for help. Oh my god. <laughs> You know, we got to put our foot down. I've been doing that on the show lately. Like when I ranted against Texas Monthly in their list. <laughs> Shout out to the barbecue snob. Well, we're even though we call it the best barbecue show, we're kind of against putting too too much ranking on all the top places because it's just I don't think I'm not sure if there's even a way you you'd know better than most of us, Jess. How would you even start ranking the hundreds of barbecue places in Texas that are all you know, high end. So what you heard me talk very carefully about Smitty's when I said right. very carefully the last five times I've been there. First of all, there's a huge issue with inconsistency at any restaurant. Um, one of the most popular places in Austin right now, not barbecue, uh, other restaurant, me and two girlfriends went and it is singularly the worst food experience and, and service experience and dining experience we have ever had. And wow. this place just like hits all the lists. And we, it's like, it's unknown to us. The other issue with Texas Monthly is, it's not an issue, but the other thing to consider is, it's also not Daniel doing everything. Um, they also send out preliminary teams because he needs the help to look at certain areas. So it's not the same palette. How do you judge standards? But the competition barbecue world has the same problem, which is, look, people want a list. They like a list. They appreciate a list. Or they want a competition. They want to be judged. And, and you... There's no perfect way to do it. So you have to devise the least imperfect way that you can. Um, <laughs> it's my goal to kill that list. I'm going to let it know right now. No cool. more. Well, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that as soon as it was possible, I just fast forwarded through the judging part of most of the cooking shows. But luckily, we're here talking about uh, you and your book mm. and how everyone can cook their own best food. Uh, so tell us more about where the hardcore carnivore came from. I heard there was a Australian version that got edited into a U.S. version. Yeah, so uh, the original publisher is an Australian publisher, and it, the book came out in Australia, New Zealand, and the U.K. last year. And so then they had to sell it to a U.S. publisher, which is why there's a delay. Um, and then we edited the book for U.S. audiences. So. The new version has like an actual picture of my smoker in it. So by the time I didn't have my signature smoker when we did the first one and there's 
uh, caricatures or little diagrams of different types of smokers. And so for this one, they changed it to actually be my offset, which is cool. Um, Fahrenheit is listed first in the US version. Tuffy Stone did the forward. And there's just little things like in, in the Australian version, I had to write for cornbread. If you don't, if you can't find cornmeal, sub polenta. And like, that's not something I would have to write here. And capsicum. And capsicum versus bell pepper for sure. Yeah. What do they call cilantro? Coriander? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. So all that had to be fixed. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, so it's not that different. If you, if you, a few hardcore fans kind of pardon the pun, uh, <laughs> bought the original copy when it came out and, uh, you're not missing anything. You still have access to, to everything. And you're doing a book signing here in Austin. I know we have some meat men that already told us they're going to go. That's awesome. April 14th, a book people, right? Yes. Which is my birthday. Is your birthday? That day. Yeah. Wow. So I, it's going to be, that's a pretty cool little way to spend a birthday, I think. Yeah. That will happy birthday week. Your birthday's in a couple of days. Thank you. <laughs> we so, definitely don't record early here. No, no, not at all. You also mentioned that you actually like Fahrenheit for the range, right? Yes. In the book? Yes, that's right. Um, if you would, my phone, I keep the weather app on Celsius still because when I'm, I'm just, I grew up with it my whole life. So when you tell me it's going to be 23 degrees outside, I'm like, oh, that's like a nice sunny balmy day, you know, but for cooking, it's always been Fahrenheit because the scale is larger. You can be more precise with it. It just makes a lot of sense. And you know, this, you've got more than a book going on. You're, you're, uh, friends with Gerber, Yeti, Lone Star. I mean, Hardcore Cornivar is a, it's a, a massive undertaking. So tell us the breadth of, uh, of what you're doing now. I, uh, I'm, I'm friends with Lone Star. I'm friends with Yeti. But the cool part about the Gerber thing, because this is something cool that happened, and I'll, I'll humble brag a little bit on that. I'm one of their core ambassadors. So they have two different programs. Um, they're Badass Doors and they're core ambassadors. Badass Doors is a group of maybe 60 plus people. They're kind of in the hunting, fishing, badass world. Um, and they're just people who have a, a more informal relationship without a contract where they're provided with product, which is how I started. And then I got invited to be one of, I think it's 13 core ambassadors, um, with people like Tim Kennedy, the MMA fighter and, and, um, Bear Grylls is a core ambassador. Jason Aldean was for a little while, um, Remy Warren Hunter. So, I couldn't believe when I was the person who was up there with those people. And it was the first formal, like it's, it's a paid relationship where they're like, we think that you're doing amazing things in your field and that you're a badass and we want to be aligned with you, which is even more extraordinary because you can't carry a knife in Australia. So I started to everyday carry when I moved here. And um, so that, that is actually something I'm extremely proud of uh, to be, to be selected for, for that group, um, was, was a huge coup. So there you go. I got a Gerber in my pocket every you day. Do. do you guys know how out of uh, that type of world I am when you said Gerber? Do you, you know what I, I thought food? of a baby food? Yeah. <laughs> well, we might have to get you a, there's some new everyday carries coming out. Yoni will, we'll get you hooked up. Yoni's the knife. Hell yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> the, a lot of my Gerber knives came from a friend who, uh, worked up there for yeah. them. So, he got me a sweet deal and I've got an axe and a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I use and that's the thing. Like I had <laughs> I wish I could have taken a photo. You know, when we had Hurricane Harvey, I had a tree come down in my yard and it came down in between my neighbor's fence, the the uh, 
shared fence and knocked a portion of it down. And it was mostly on my side, but the very top of the branches were on my neighbor's side. And it was like 8 a.m. on the Sunday morning when we just had that gap of a little bit of a lull. And I'm thinking, all right, at the very least, I need to get this tree over to my side of the yard. So if she chooses to rebuild, like I can deal with this headache later on. And I went out there at eight o'clock in the morning with an ax that I ordinarily would not have owned, like a full size ax because I used the hatchet for barbecue wood and whatever and chopped down a tree branches <laughs> Nice in my rain boots and like a hunting jacket thing to try to protect me for the elements. And I'm in the middle thinking I'm totally going to ruin my back doing this. I'm in the middle of it, but this feels so awesome to be so self-sufficient. <laughs> so, Well, shout out to Gerber for, yeah. you know, supplying the good stuff. Hello trouble. So hardcore carnivore, uh, available everywhere amazon bookstores barnesandnoble.com digital Sorry. copies i'm sure you can get uh n so it, there is a kindle edition that's the australian edition it's again like uh, we could spend a whole other episode talking about the brave world of publishing <laughs> and uh, that a lot of people don't understand that it's like records you know like that i, I don't actually own that <laughs> anymore i have to pay for copies too which a lot of people don't realize so wow. Uh, well, you get a certain number of free copies as an author, and then you have to buy copies at a, at a cost price. We buy our shirts and, and then sell them. Otherwise, we would give them away for sure. Yes, exactly. So, um, uh, yeah, it's so the Kindle edition is the Australian edition. Co signed copies available on hardcorecarnival.com and lots of other info on my site, jessprowls.com. She's got some, some, speaking of shirts, some really great shirts. I read a <laughs> bunch of names on a previous episode a few months back, but you got uh, meat, fire, repeat, things like that. Yeah. A lot of slogans, a lot of sayings, a lot of kind of funny stuff to wear. And, and I know people out there are barbecue shirt collectors. There's a whole new breed of them I've found. So really? she has a lot of new additions. Yes. There's people that want every barbecue shirt they can see. Oh so if you don't goodness. know Hardcore Carnivore, check it out because there's some good looking stuff on there. Thank you. And uh, we're going to get a signed copy for our giveaway we'll tell you about in a few minutes. Uh, but now we want we usually do shout outs to our fans. You got any people that are fans of yours you want to give a shout out to? Uh, if you want to follow, uh, give a shout out to Jared Standing, who's a buddy of mine in L.A., who's an incredible butcher. Um, if you want to see like beautiful meat cutting skills, follow that dude. Um. And otherwise, you know, I know you out, you kind of gave me notice for this in the beginning, but I'm still like, <laughs> oh my God, who, 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 but, uh, Tuffy Stone. Yeah, of course. I mean, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Tuffy Stone. Uh, we, we, he's called the professor of barbecue and are there like, Legend. are there like original Instagram followers when you had a hundred followers that, uh, still hang with you or that you communicate with? Yeah. But I don't think that they're. I, I think they're just random private people, you know, from back in the day. I don't <laughs> think it's actually like a public kind of account thing, but okay. uh, yeah, it's it's. I try and pay it forward. I try and pay it forward to to people, and especially you know on stories and stuff like that. So I just also have part of having amazing anxiety and stress is having like incredible memory loss. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things going on at once in your head right yes. now. Yeah, it's that time of year for her. She's entering her busy season, so stop bugging her. Let her do her work. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and she's part of the family. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're, we're all here to have fun, and Jess is just a little busier than all of us. So. We're going to yeah. get there. And I'm not saying I'm better than anyone. Place. Being like, busy does not mean you're better. It means okay. you exactly. take... No, no, it means you take too much on your plate. We all know you're better. <laughs> yes, it's fine. exactly. And thank you. Well, yes to both of you. No. <laughs> we, all, we, we definitely want to be as cool as you. 
So if we, uh, if we had can, a sweet emblem on our, our hat, we'd be into it. Well, I'll just get you hats. If we can get you to sign a copy yes. of this, Yoni will explain the special contest we're going to start doing Ooh, this month. Okay. Hang well, on. that one's mine. Oh, this so one's yours, but well, let's the get the copy for, for the prize the, there. For the fans. It's just here right there. Okay, hang on. Oh, I just thought of a question. Yep, Shopee. Wherever we go. Perfect. We're, we're literally, this is a live signing. Live signing. Let's make this oh, out to the uh, meat man. Yeah. Okay. Whoever it is. <laughs> And, uh, we do you want me to actually hashtag it, Meat Man? Yeah. If you, whatever you want to sign on there. I mean, uh, do your thing. You've signed a lot of these recently. Do your dance, do your dance, do your dance. <laughs> so hey. how you can win this book along with a great prize pack there. We got some Miller's Smokehouse Rub, a Colorado Brisket Company koozie, a bunch of stickers, a Blake's barbecue shirt, all sorts of fun stuff. We want you to send in a recipe. It can be for anything. This is in honor of Jess's book, which is full of amazing, all different types of recipes. If it's a sauce, if it's a rub, if it's a method of cooking, if it's a type of meat you like, we just want you to write stuff and we will pick our favorite and we will give you this book in the prize pack. Oops. So we will also uh, republish a lot of the ones that we uh, don't pick on our blog and other things like that. So go ahead, meat men, send us contact at bestbarbecueshow.com. You can also DM us. We prefer email. Yeah. Uh, so we can cyberstalk you when we get your personal email, or make it a YouTube video, or make it an Instagram. You know, make oh, it a gift recipe. Yeah, you, there's there's no limit to how you can submit to this this recipe uh, giveaway. Any guidelines for like what you like to prefer in, in terms of proteins? Does it have to be smoked? Can it be no, any meat? No, no, any food. If you like to cook a carrot a certain way by boiling it for yeah. 30 minutes, tell us. You're probably not going to win a hardcore carnival beef. You're not. Yeah. You will not carrot? win with that recipe. But so, they still welcome you. They, they still like to receive it. And you're not yeah. allowed to steal recipes from her book. That's her intellectual property. <laughs> yeah, so is everything on my website. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're going to have a very specific way we choose these, and that's why we're giving everyone a month to submit. Ooh. Because uh, uh, the month of April is going to be real interesting to see what we get and to... to you know, if we don't choose you to get the book, we're still, if you've got a great recipe, we'll repost it. We'll share it with other people. Maybe we'll even talk about it on an episode if you've got something interesting to show us. You know, I just learned about reverse searing. There's always something new to learn yeah. in the cooking world. And yeah. we will cook the winning recipe, I promise. For sure that. No matter what it is, we will cook it. Unless we need like a $10,000 industrial machine or something for it. Yeah, or what if it's like some crazy, you know, like yeah. gold flake, something, something. Yeah. Steak cooked <laughs> steak cooked by lava. Have you seen that one? Yes. That was that, We reposted that, didn't we? <laughs> hey, listen, you got to grow an account somehow. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, most of the people who are on here know how to find you, but we like to ask, uh, where should people find you? Where's your blog? Where's your Instagram? What, where should they look? Uh, com, hardcorecarnivore.com. And uh, Hardcore Carnivore does have all of its own social pages, which you can find by searching. But if you want to find me, I'm at Jess Priles on pretty much everything, even Vero, which is not going to last. You heard it here. <laughs> if you go to Instagram and follow her there, she has a link tree. So when you click that, you can see every single link she wants you to see. Yes. So follow every one of those. <laughs> Stover was very impressed. Oh, yeah. That. Well, it's just it's helpful, right? Because there's a lot there's a lot that I want to share with you guys. Well, and I have a feeling that you have it's easier to keep track of what people are clicking on too, right? It's not just that. So, like, I, not to take up too much more time, but you guys will see this as well happening for sure. That one is, despite nearly every time I post a recipe using the terminology "recipe up now" through my link or on JessPriles.com, there are still people like, "Oh, you have a website? <laughs> or where can I find the recipe?" I add stuff to my website, like you can now filter by protein or whatever it is, and people will email me and say, "Hey, do you have a recipe for beef?" 
Yeah. Have you tried the recipes, Tad? Low and slow is my recipe for beef. Well, people still think that we run a barbecue restaurant. So, <laughs> really? You know, yeah. Oh, that's like, awesome. Where do we find your food? We're always at restaurants numerous times a week, so I guess it, it makes sense. That's right. true. Thank but, you for coming into the Meat Man yeah. studio, Jess. Thank you for Jess. having me in such a pretty sign that I got. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we always ask a message to the Meat Man, a message to our fans, a message to the barbecue family and your fans. Uh, what's your message to the Meat Man? It's got to be the tagline of the book because it's true, which is cook it like you mean it. Cook meat like you mean it. Well, great advice. Thank you, Jess Priles. Uh, check her out. She's doing amazing things and she'll probably have done a thousand more since we recorded this episode. So look her up. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. You come in and meet man. Y'all to see me eat man. Get on the meat man. Y'all to see me eat man. I got job like a bear, trap a like a razor. This has been a production of Glenn Cliff Media, recorded live in Austin, Texas. What 